welcome back ladies and gents to another episode of Opera Omnia. This is season 3, episode number 10, the penultimate episode in our look at the filmography of David Fincher, he being our subject for season 3. Joining me is the resident host that has joined me for the entire run of season 3 thus far and will join me right through to the bitter bitter end. It was of course my colleague over on Duncan and Bo come correct. Uh, the showrunner behind Legion Podcast Network and a man who's very talented that he allows you to hear his voice on many different projects and avenues out there easily accessible by using your mobile phone device. I mean could it be any easier than that? If anything I would say that you were fucking spoiled to hear his voice on this and I believe he would agree with me is of course the phenomenal Bo Ransdell. How's it going Bo? It's going very well. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for that introduction. Um, and I, for one, got rid of my mobile phone. I found that to be uh, a tether to a world that it was dark and bitter and gruesome. And so now I go off of a beeper like uh, John McClane from Die Hard 2. Love it. Love it. You're bringing it back. Yeah. Bringing back the pager. That's right. And uh, so that's that's how you can also reach me if you page me at uh, 615 <laughs> now um yeah don't give out a number just in case someone's going to be hit up with like uh, you know when's this episode dropping it's like i know i'm i have a pager clearly all i'm trying to do is sell drugs so right right you know uh, i i admired the drug dealer that is still holding on to the pager instead of the burner phone yeah. oh yeah yeah uh yeah. but you know, sometimes a, a classicist, I, I would, that is the, my drug dealer of choice, is someone who's like, you know, yes, could I get a burner phone? Absolutely. Yeah. Would I prefer to to keep it real with a pager and hang outside the rolling uh, the roller skate rink? 100%. Then, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> if it ain't broke, Bo, don't fix it, is what that <laughs> right. man's saying. Uh, oh, like phones it. are just a fad, Duncan. <laughs> Now we are, uh, we're recording this in between Christmas and New Year, this episode will drop before the New Year, which means I've technically broken my, I am not releasing anything between, but I've already done that on the other feed, I'm, I'm doing Dexter stuff, which once again is just proven, that TV show this year is just proven to be absolutely fucking incredible, so um, when Bob was like, listen I've got some free time, maybe, maybe we can pick up some of the slack that we unfortunately got herself into because the summer series and all the rest maybe we could knock out this little movie gone girl and i was like yeah but let's do it which is why we're here doing it we're gonna do gone girl on this one here um we joked on the previous episode that this movie had the potential to maybe dethrone our at this stage unimpeachable top title from the fincher filmography which is zodiac and I remember saying that, and I was like, yeah, we'll see how it goes on the rewatch. And then we rewatched it, and I've told you off here, depending on how this conversation goes, um, that might actually happen for me. Like, I might flop my position on this one to Gone Girl, depending on where we land, because this was, like, the, the last movie that Fincher did before his lengthy hiatus where he went into doing TV stuff. He just kind of disappeared into the world of TV, uh, helped kickstart a couple of different projects there, um, and then started Mindhunter, which is, you know, two seasons deep on Netflix, before returning with the final movie, Mank. Now, I saw Gone Girl at the cinema uh, because I was all about that buzz that, um, you know, Fincher was back, he was doing a movie.
movie. Uh, it was going to be dark. It was going to be kind of brooding. Uh, it was based on this best-selling novel, which I never read. I'll be honest with you, I've never, never read it at all. Um, I have never learned. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I like I I know there was a lot of people out there who said that it was a good adaptation. But I don't know if that means it's like a verbatim adaptation or if this is one of these ones that takes liberties. And to be honest, like, because I hadn't read it, I kind of, like, had this been verbatim and I went in knowing the outcome, I, this movie probably wouldn't have worked as well for me on the first watch. Uh, and certainly I would have appreciated the craft more as we went through, which is certainly where I am just now. When was the first time you saw Gone Girl? Is this a is this a cinema visit? Is this a rental later on, or was it on your radar? I I don't think that no, this wasn't a a, a theater situation hmm. because I wasn't familiar with the book. Like I said, I never learned to read, and I certainly wasn't going to learn for <laughs> Gone Girl. Uh, one of these days, Duncan. Before before I, I retire from podcasting, I will learn uh, what that puzzle of letters means. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> But I really, uh, but I was interested for sure. And I was on this one pretty quick once it hit home video. Mm. And and this is also one of those things where where it's recent enough that like by the time it hit home video, it doesn't take that long for it to get there. And also I've got a pretty good theater set up, you know? And Mm. and at the, like, again, this movie is recent enough within the past 10 years you know that i was like oh i can still enjoy this with like good sound and yeah. blah 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 yeah, yeah so i you know these days <laughs> like i went to see that fucking spider-man movie but uh i most times i will wait for a movie to hit streaming because it happens pretty fast these hmm. days with all the uh you know uh, unique streaming services where they're like hey we're gonna put this in the theater but two months later everybody yeah. it'll be available on disney plus or whatever um so uh at any rate all that to say that i did not see it in the theater i got on it real fast after and you and i talked about this but it was one of those situations where i watched it and i was like that movie was fucking great yeah and then never watched it again i don't know why it was one of those yeah i think i don't know i it's like i because watching it back through this time like this will be the third time i've seen it because uh, my wife reminded me of the second time I saw it, which was the first time I saw it with her. Because I went to see it in the cinema myself. So when I was going to watch it this time, I was like, do you want to watch Gone Girl? And she was like, no, I've seen that with you. And I'm like, no, you haven't. You weren't at the cinema with me. So you're thinking about some other man. Who is this other man that you went to see this movie with? And she's like, no, me and you watched it when you bought the Blu-ray. And I was like, do I have the- yes, I have the Blu-ray. And yes, the seal is off it which means, yes, I have watched it. So, yes, we did watch this together. And, yes, the memories are all coming flooding back to me now. I did not accuse you of going with another man. So that never happened. Never happened. So this will be the third time I've seen it. And, like, even at the end of this viewing, I was kind of trying to think of things that might kind of put me off watching it. And I think, in, in a part I mentioned earlier on, I think there is a twist in this and a resolution when you start to see where things and the movie is like blatantly clear of what it's doing um it's actually it's pacing is very very clever the way it tells its story but there's like towards the end when you start seeing where things that the, where the the chips are going to fall so to speak that there's a part of me that when i get to the end of it i'm like right well I'm, i you know it doesn't exactly invite itself for a rewatch the following year if you know what i mean but there's once again there's nothing out though 
that I would have been like, yeah, I can't watch this again for five years. It's just not, it's just not that, it, there's just nothing about it that would make me want that. So I'm going to put it down to, um, I'm just going to put it down to just general laziness and me just being clearly focused on other things as opposed to not focusing on quality movies. It's the same reason I probably haven't seen Chinatown in what, over a decade. And that movie is, I mean, it's fucking right. incredible. And I know it's incredible, but, you know, I'd like if I'm sitting here on a Tuesday, do I want to watch Chinatown? Probably not, so. I, I think the other thing about Gone Girl for me, and because I asked myself the same question, I'm like, mm. why don't I watch this more? And I think the reason is, is because it is such a plot heavy film. Yes. <laughs> that once you know the beats of the movie, mm. it's fun to revisit, but I, I don't know that it's fun to revisit the same way that, you know, to use our, our, <laughs> our favorite son, Zodiac. Yeah. That like, that's a movie that you can just kind of wallow in mm -hmm. that, you know, everything from the music to the visuals to the uh, the kind of vague nature of, of the story and the fact that it it's more about the characters and and the vibe and the atmosphere and the the themes of obsession and that kind of thing as opposed to well then this happens and then this happens and then yeah. this happens and and so if there is a i really have two problems with gone girl oh. and it's and they're not problems it's just it, like to answer the question of why don't I watch this all the time? And the first of those is that. It's just that once you know the tricks of the movie, yeah. like once you know what it has up its sleeve, you're kind of watching the movie waiting for those beats to happen. It feels like an adaptation. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and like I think, it feels like a, like a good crime yeah. book adaptation because of what you see it's all dependent on everything is built on this house of cards and it's all dependent on you understanding the plot beats as we go through because if you start to miss elements there when things are revealed later on the, you don't get the same impact like it's it's like incredibly clever like even watching it this time through like even the way like i'd never really picked up on the and we'll get into it more when we start talking about the movie but affleck has a specific thing that he does as he hand signal where he puts his fingers over his like chiseled chin uh, as a way to prove that he's not you know he's not lying about things and he does that in about two or three scenes at press conferences which i hadn't noticed before i think i've picked up on one of them and i'm like oh is he like he's actively trying to communicate with her all the way through this movie and the hopes that he thinks that she is observing all the way through and i only ever noticed the last one but it is all the way through the movie so all those little details i don't think they, they necessarily completely change my view on the movie but it is like you say it's all dependent on like a full-on structure of every right we're giving you this bit of detail and this bit's important because at the halfway mark when we start looking at it from the other point of view you're going to be able to link this back to this thing that you saw here which makes this bit work linearly in sense so yeah i, I see where you're going with that uh, yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah and but that's not really it's not a fault of the nope. movie or anything it's just the kind of movie it is you know like i i think that most mysteries usually fall into that category for yeah. me where it's like well once you once you know who done it then you know it's like i love knives out i've yeah. seen it twice i don't know that i'll see it 
I mean, I'll probably watch it again before the inevitable sequel arrives. Yeah, the Netflix That's sequel. It. Like I, I right, like I love it. Yeah, but I don't need to watch it all the time because I know I know who did it and I know yeah. the people. You're, you're more you're more watching it for the enjoyment as opposed to watching it for the mystery. And then right. there's and, a tone yeah. in Gone Girl which doesn't necessarily lend itself to the enjoyment. It is a movie once again that is like fairly dark i mean what it's about sociopaths (laughs) you know it's 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 the the question of the movie is are these two sociopaths perfect for one another yes yes because they're both sociopaths to one degree and like it's just that one person is lying to themselves about it yes very much so we were talking also off air like this is a like a weird position for this movie um coming out in 2014 and that it preempts the the kind of Me Too movement, and also preempts the backlash towards the Me Too movement. This idea that you know, um, at first it was well, you know, there's clear evidence that you know women are abused on a regular basis by male employers, by companies, you know, all the rest. Not only financially, but physically, verbally, and, and the extent of that. And then the inevitable lip that everything goes through when there's public outrage, rightly or wrongly, against the thing, where you get the, you know, the kickback. And that kickback is, well, you know, eventually one or two people will falsely claim something. So it then muddies the water to an extent. And when those waters are muddied, it's then, can you, should we be arbitrarily, um, like, taking that position of portraying guilt on some without them going through a judicial process or, you know, this idea of, you know, innocent until proven guilty is a, is a thing that I read all the time is gone. It's not gone. It is, it is still very much there. And if the evidence is there, you know, to prove someone is being innocent, then it will come out in court. What is different now is we have the, the vehicle and the mechanisms in place through social media, through like media in general, actually, to litigate in the court of public opinion well in advance of someone stepping foot in court. And that, the movie's also kind of playing with those ideas as well, which I found like incredibly interesting because we are weirdly, especially in the last three years, in a bit of a bubble with that where, you know, things come out about certain people. Um, There is the, the kind of backlash against that. And then there's the backlash against the backlash. Um, and then like radio silence for a while and then the court case where all this stuff's drugged back up again so uh, this movie kind of kind of dabbles I'm not going to say it brings anything really interesting to the equation except it shows that if you are a sociopath and a clever one at that there's a there's a very good chance that you with with ease can can sway things um, in the court of public appeal towards your side through optics um and I think I think it does a good job at that. Which, like, watching it this time through, I was like, if someone had told me this movie was made last year, I would one hundred percent believe that. Like, that's it. Just yeah. felt like on the pulse and on the cusp of something, which I think was kind of interesting for because the book was written, you know, before, must have been before twenty fourteen. So I don't know when that was written. It was already kind of dealing with some some of that in there as well. So interesting. It, it, and it also is uh, a nice sort of 
you know epilogue to uh the social network yes because it, you know it, <laughs> yeah. it's venture kind of returning to that well of here is what social media does mm -hmm. and here's you know and i'm sure that was in the book uh as well but there's a lot of like well you know like this is and there, there's a healthy amount of true crime yeah uh, in there um i'm trying to uh what was the name of the the woman who who killed her daughter and then hey, casey anthony can't say there, yeah, there's a uh, hundred percent post casey anthony because there is a vibe of that even the, the the woman that usually plays aliens um in comedies you know the, the one that's basically playing um that kind of crime what's her name again the the woman that does the tv report in this one. Oh right 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 yeah yeah, yeah. she yeah, is yeah. a caricature of a real woman and because yeah. i've seen her before the she covered the, the casey Nancy grace character yeah, yeah. exactly you know like yeah. it's the exact setup the way she talks her mannerisms the 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 way she makes leaps and tries to like she essentially is an echo chamber of her her opinions for sensationalism on things by basically bringing in psychiatrists or psychologists who are like that oh he smiled in that photograph clearly a killer mm -hmm. you know it's not so you're you're already building a case you're not like you are supposed to be as the media um impartial and you know displaying the facts but you're already building a case towards someone's mm -hmm. presumed guilt so it handles all that stuff you are right it's, it definitely has a vibe of that kind of casey anthony sort of thing which to, to be honest is is one of those more recent cases out with something like an og where you felt like this is the kind of first time that we're getting a full kind of true crime like like serious true crime case played out in the social media platform whereas og was in the you know just in general it was the big networks that were taking their newscasts where it was your Fox, your ABCs, your NSBCs or whatnot. Um, this time it's been played out in social media. Everyone had an opinion about that um, mm -hmm. at the time. So it's kind of handling that surprisingly well. Interestingly enough, in this one, in this movie, um, you don't see any... Like I think that's the thing. Where I don't know if that's a conscious choice or not, or it's just not in the book. There is no Affleck updates his status on facebook to sure, say yeah, you know yeah. whereas my, well, we don't get that but it's, it's <laughs> my, my new relationship status is it's complicated <laughs> it's complicated yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah but it's clearly it's clearly set in a time period where all that like there's a i think when he opens the the woodshed and sees like there's another, like an xbox or something in there so it's clearly set in a time period where that exists it's just not utilized in the in the story which i think is actually probably a smart move because i think it gets its message across enough with the tv snippets that you get as you're going through that had you had that on top of it i think it would have been a bit more uh, a bit more muddied um i'm very i'm super curious about this one because like i say this one has this one has potential for me at least depending on the outcome of the conversation to to, to take a to take a lead over the zodiac which uh, from the start, I've been fairly confident it's going to be top of my list. And now, not so sure, bro. Not so sure. I just want to say from the outset, yep. <laughs> big shout out to Kim Dickens, mm. who plays the detective in this movie. She's fucking great. And is is kind of the audience surrogate yep. for much of the film. Mm -hmm. And is 
watching it again, I was like, oh, she is the real breakout star. I mean, as good as Rosamund Pike is, and she's amazing, yeah, and Ben she's... Affleck, I think, is great in this. Yeah. yeah. But Kim Dickens is like, man, I just want a series of movies and or books with her unraveling a case. Yeah. It kind of feels, in a weird way, it reminded me a lot of like that sort of character. A darker version of that sort of character would be your... Uh, Bill Pullman in like a TV show like The Sinner, for example. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. like th there's something like I love the way she just does like she, like you would think on paper she would be the one that would be, because she's a woman, you know, like that idea of like like just genderizing someone. Uh, she would be all in on the. It's clearly the husband that did it, but it's the guy. And even there's like a scene at the end, and once again we are gonna we are gonna take a break here and get into this proper. But there's a scene at the end where she's in, like when the cops asking her all those questions, and um, like and the, the FBI are like, oh for fuck's sake, you know she just survived, like quit it. And um, she talks, she's talking about, I think it's the gun or something. Like she's talking about what? No, it's the box cutter. She's talking yeah, about like, the box cutter. Yeah, and if you're tied like, up, how'd you get the box cutter? Yeah, the Affleck's right beside the male cop and says that, and he's like, Jesus Christ, you know, she just survived. Like, can't you just let her? And I'm like, yeah, like she, like, like she is, she is, she's like, it's not just a gender thing like that. She's played into the fact that she is this helpless, defenseless woman, and you know, men will protect a helpless, defenseless woman because mm -hmm. that's you know, it's part of our DNA. Um, yeah, after and, Affleck tells her, like, she's a fucking psychopath, yeah, like, like, like 100%. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, yeah, I'm, it's gonna be good to get into this one, so um, let's. Let's do it, Borans. Don't let's say. Yeah, let's uh, quit screwing around, Duncan. Penultimate time uh, on this series. We're going to take a short break. Yeah. You're going to hear the trailer for Gone Girl. When we return, we're discussing that movie and we're doing it right after this. Nick Dunn, you're probably the most hated man in America right now. Did you kill your wife, Nick? Everyone told us and told us marriage is hard work not for me and nick as you all know my wife amy elliott dunn disappeared three days ago i had nothing to do with the disappearance of my wife i have nothing to hide sammy got friends we can talk to no not really you don't know if she has friends you don't know what she does all day and you don't know your wife's blood type just being a good guy so everybody can see him being a good guy well you really don't like him do you all i'm trying to do is be nice to the people who are volunteering to help find Amy. I will practice believing my husband loves me, but I could be wrong. Have you ever seen that guy in the glasses before? Amy is the kind of girl who attracts admirers. Whoever took her is bound to bring her back. I'm hoping you can tell me what this means. You want to solve Amy's treasure hunt? You seen this girl around here? Yeah, I remember her. I know you. I saw you at the volunteer center. I wanted to help. What's your want? She wanted a gun. We are all scared, but we are all here now. I feel like something to be jettisoned if necessary. I feel like I could disappear. The hallmark of a sociopath. 
is a lack of empathy. Amy lost a lot of blood in there. Then somebody mopped it up. Why do they mop up the blood if they're trying to stage a crime scene? Whatever they found, I think it's safe to assume that it's very bad. I'd finally realized I am frightened of my own husband. I would join you as if you're doing a deposition. What to say, what not to say. A trained monkey? A trained monkey who doesn't get lethal injections. She's going to eat you alive. You assaulted her? It's not good enough for you? I hit her? It's not even close. Absolutely not. I never touched her. We now believe Nick is involved in the disappearance of our daughter. Without a body, without a murder weapon, their only hope is a confession. You don't know anything yet? You need to tell me. How was your marriage, Nick? Are you asking me if I killed my wife? Man of my dreams, this man of mine may kill me. What about my son, Nick? This man may kill me. In her own words, this man may truly kill me. You ever hear the expression, the simplest answer is often the correct one? Actually, I've never found that to be true. And welcome back, ladies and gents. So this is Gone Girl. You just had the trailer for it. This is directed, of course, by David Fincher. This is based on the novel and screenplay adapted by Gillian Flynn. Uh, the movie itself, a great cast here. We mentioned it before, but we have Ben Affleck, Rosamund Pike, Neil Patrick Harris, Tyler Perry, Carrie Coon, Kim Dickens, Patrick Fugit, uh, David Clennon, uh, Lisa Baines, Missy Pyle. Uh, you have a really, really hard name. Is that Emily Ratajkowski? Maybe. Let's do that. Uh, that sounds right. Yeah, let's try Hang it. on. Let's just try that. It's got a yeah, G in it. Radikowski so. sounds right. That sounded okay. Uh, Casey Wilson, Lola Kirk, Boyd Holbrook, uh, Celia Ward, Lee Norris, L Leonard, Kelly Young, uh, Jamie McShane, and loads of other people because it's a Fincher movie after all. Synopsis for this one is... With his wife's disappearance having become the focus of an intense media circus, a man sees the spotlight turned on him when it's suspected that he may not be innocent. So, 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 so. Um, rather than go, like, beat for beat through this one, because this one is a two hour and it's two hours and 20 minutes or something, mm -hmm. it, it's another uh, two and a half hours. It's another one of those Fincher... You know, I can't make a movie under two hours now, so strap in. Um, and I'm fine with that. I've mentioned that before. For the most part, as long as it's not the curious case of Benjamin Button, if Fincher wants to go over two hours, I'm kind of there with him. Uh, it does see the return of uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross doing the score, which is a great score. Obviously not social network quality on the score because he didn't win an Oscar, but, you know, we'll let them off. Um, but, you know, the return of that. And it's a return of Fincher to, like, crime. So, like, this is the run of movies he's now doing. Kind of post-Benjamin Button, where he's just like that. No, I do crime movies now. And I'm involved with all serial killers and crime and murder and all the rest. And I'm going to do Mindhunter. And you're going to like it, because it's me doing stuff. But, yeah, you've got, like, he made... Um, if, I mean, if you actually look at the, the predominant theme through like most of his movies is mostly about murder um so and i hadn't really even thought about that too much until right now so i'm not going to try and dwell on that for too long but uh yeah i think we'll obviously touch on like the key scenes here um but you mentioned it just before we kick through here specifically on the casting ben affleck is not an actor that i i don't dislike him by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I can easily think of about four or five performances where I think he's really fucking good in them. But mm. Ben Affleck doesn't sell a movie to me. 
You know what I mean? If it's like, you know, this movie's coming out, Ben Affleck's leading man. I'm not like, well, you know, fucking spank my ass and call me Mary. I can't wait to go and see that movie. You know what I mean? I'm, you know, that's not the, it's not the way, and it's not, like I see, when I'm watching this movie, he's fucking great at this, but I also get mm-hmm. the feeling that this is not too much of a stretch for Ben Affleck, if you know what I mean, Bo. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a, I, I think the term would be himbo. Uh, he is a very charming yes. uh, kind of guy. He's not he's not terribly smart yes um he he really gets by on his looks and charm um and and those are separate things in in this movie and um but i i think he has both of those things and like there is an earnestness to his character Mm -hmm. that is fun to follow because you realize at a certain point that oh that is just kind of a performance yeah (laughs) you know like for the character himself not just for ben affleck that like yeah i i a lot of people give him shit and i think ben affleck is actually a very good actor oh yeah like i don't don't think he's you know uh you know a brando or something but yeah you know he's really he's a good utility player he is he can pull off the emotional scenes Mm -hmm. he can do action he like if i were if i were casting a movie Ben Affleck would not be an unwelcome presence in the film. You know, yeah. like, depending on the role, he is He is kind of... I was going to say, like, Keanu Reeves, but he's better than Keanu Reeves. He's got more range, I 100%, should say, yeah. than yeah. Keanu Reeves. But he's one of those guys, like, when he was in those Zack Snyder superhero movies, he made a great Batman, and everybody was like, well, I can't believe Ben Affleck was a good Batman. It's like, motherfucker, have you been sleeping on Ben Affleck all these years? Like, yeah. he's good. Yeah, he did that movie, um, which I think, like, I don't know how many people saw it, but he did that kind of crime movie, The Town. Um, the Town is great. He directed that. He's and fucking it, great in that movie. Yeah. Like, and, like, just one of those performances, which, once again, is fairly unassuming, but, like, when you watch it, you can see he's acting his ass off and delivering he's this He's great really- in argo well argo i only saw at the start of the year for the first time and it's fucking brilliant as well so yeah yeah and then that's not to mention that you know he's had the chops in the past to do like he was in my favorite kevin smith movie dogma i think he's fucking incredible in dogma um, man uh, speaking of kevin smith movies another one that gets a lot of shit is jersey girl yes but i like jersey girl jersey and really good. Is great he's it. fucking great in that one as well so i think i think there's a there's a famous like kevin smith clearly knew because there's a uh, there's a famous Kevin Smith quote from one of these talking tours like decades ago now, where he's like, he's like, um, like the, the, you know, whenever they ask me, like, who should play a role, I'm like, Ben Affleck should play that role. Like, then they're yeah. like, you know, like, but, but like, like, but, but, like, remake of Jaws, and he's like, Ben Affleck should be in that movie. Affleck plays the shark. You know, that's how confident right. I am that, you know, like, Ben Affleck can do anything. And you watch this movie, you're right. The, the, the thing that sells me on this performance like overall is the the fact that he there's a and he admits it later on in the movie there's a there's a part that he's playing mm-hmm. where he's this super confident you know it's smart you know like clearly quite you know like portrays himself as quite this smart like confident attractive guy and actually <laughs> when you start peeling back the you know the rings on the onion um he's attractive he's charming 
he's not smart. Like he gets he gets played. There's a moment where he works out exactly how badly he's been fucked. And yeah. you just like he's like how did I li-? like and his sister, his twin sister in this one, Margot, um like she's like she clearly got the brains. He didn't get the brains yeah, in that twin scenario. Yes. She's like, How did you how did it get like this? You know, like and he's just like, Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't and, know. I mean, he lets his, his dick do a lot of the thinking for 100%, him. Hundred percent. Yeah, he's he's just He's not stupid. No. He's just not half as clever as the character that he's playing in yes. life. Yes. And also like the, the, the woman that he married. Like who is, oh, like, is a, a million times smarter than him. And you can tell that because when the police go into the house and look at the several fucking like doctorates and fucking master's degrees on the wall from the pr- most prestigious schools in the world. And then they ask, What does she do with her time? She is she working? He's like uh, sits in the house she, you know she's always got a book in her hand so she's always reading like could not give a fuck has no interest yeah. in, in what she does and he doesn't right, understand how bad that plays to police officers who are like well you're married to her like do you, do you not know if she has any friends nope she doesn't have any friends um it's like it's like it's so but like the, the the small bits and this is why i love them is that like you get the you get the frustrated affleck you get the the upset Affleck, um, but that charming Affleck that comes out like when there's the bit where I love it where he's like standing beside the missing poster and he's getting his picture taken, and then when they replay it later on and uh, Rosamund Pike's in the fucking hillbilly trailer park thing and she's like that give me that smile give me that mm-hmm. smile you know you want to do it and it's a smile and she's like there you go because she knew he was going to do it. Well, and when somebody asks him about it later, like what the fuck were you thinking? Mm. And he's like, I, it's just how I was raised. Like, yeah. you know, when 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 somebody asks to take your picture, you smile in the picture and that kind of shit. And a, again, it just goes to him not thinking as as deeply. Yeah, it doesn't as how Rosamund that, Pike. Like, yeah, how that how that will be perceived essentially. Right, how that's perceived well, when everything's yes. fine in the world. Smiling in a photograph is great, but not understanding. And there's a conversation about how. And this is the Casey Anthony thing as well. Part of the Casey Anthony uh, like trial was based around how little emotion Casey Anthony showed when her daughter was missing. She partied for mm-hmm. 30 days and there's plenty of evidence out there that when she said her daughter was kidnapped and clearly when her daughter was dead, um, she was doing wet t-shirt competitions. You know, she was right. a, a part and there's pl- all these photos of her smiling. But essentially the the kind of defense side of it was well you know grievance handled differently by everyone like when you're in stress people handle that differently some people you know curl up into a ball and let it take on and the other people will do anything to take their mind off it you know like we're, we're all different um and like but, he, that's, yeah, there, his, that's his thing you know that's his th- it's a small town thing like there's a bit where he's giving people bagels and thanking yeah. them and all the rest and then the, his mother-in-law when they're out doing the walk she's like that what the fuck are you doing like you're like, chatting to all these people like you're some hometown hero and all the rest and he's like that listen my mum brought me up to say please and thank you to people and you know I, I you know I want to like say thank you to the people that are going to spend the next five hours looking for your missing daughter and my missing wife and she's like that I completely understand that like she, like, like she retracts that once it's laying out but he's not got the option to do that 
to every reporter that takes a photo or takes film or anything like that. So you don't get your data rebut. So yeah, I mean, it it just goes to like he he wears this mask. And and again, he's just the dumber sociopath of the couple. Hundred <laughs> percent. Where he he does all kinds of shit without thinking of how this will affect other people. Yes. You know, and and so maybe you can make the argument that he's not a a, a sociopath purely. He's just a narcissist. Mm. But but one of the two, or yeah. he's a narcissistic sociopath, or whatever. But you know the the whole <laughs> the whole idea of of his persona is that he is the nice guy and so he's mm -hmm. always a nice guy even when it doesn't uh it, it doesn't do him any favors and yeah. roseman pike is just smart enough to know that that's who he is and he is going to continue to play that role yes and that and that can fuck him as well mm -hmm. and you know and and i think that like when <laughs> his sister has that great moment when he can't just keep his dick out of yeah, the oh the, the girl that he's dating yeah uh his side piece and when she finds out about it she's like you stupid motherfucker like i do you realize how fucked you are yeah. now that if this gets out it doesn't matter what you did or didn't do if your wife has gone missing mm -hmm. and it and it comes out that you're fucking one of your students you're done you're yeah. going you're gonna get the chamber you know like you're gonna get the needle yeah there, because I mean, there's a, there's you're a, fucking stupid there is a particular because well, we mentioned like court cases in the past casey anthony great example of that oj is the other one there is a distinct reason why he has a charismatic black lawyer in this one who's two steps yeah. away from being johnny cochran i mean they might as well just call this character johnny cochran right tyler perry's real good he's fucking too. amazing he's... and he talks about when he finds out about the affair he's like that well you just need to get out in front of this and tell the police now because that's a ticking time bomb and he's like that well no 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 like she wouldn't do that to me and he's like that listen to it. they always do it it's nothing to do with you don't like don't take it personally but they always do it like yeah. it, like <laughs> i know this 100 percent of the time i'll do it um and what like na naively affleck on some level thinks that what well, is it's the narcissist thing she won't do that to me how could she do that We're, to me she, yes because she we care about each other exactly exactly and yeah she would she would never why on earth would she ever do that to me and and again everybody around him is because like because you're a fucking dumb dumb man like <laughs> I, again this isn't <laughs> it's a this isn't boy. a personal thing <laughs> This is just how human behavior is, yeah. and if you're if you're blind to the fact that, again, it's a, like you said, it's the narcissism of like, well, not me, not me, not me. I'm you different. It, so. Right? Yeah. I've uh, no nobody would. Oh, well, I'm a I'm a good guy. Yeah. I'm your pal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She loves and, me, bro. She loves me. Yes. And at her press conference, by the way. Oh. Mwah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Chef's Kiss. It is. It is so funny. Yeah. Um, as right before yeah. he does his TV interview yeah. as well, he's just like, oh. And well, and and it, sometimes but he manages, you know, yeah, he manages to twist it to his advantage. And essentially, what you have here, right? For for those that are, hopefully everyone watched Gone Girl before listening to this, but essentially the story is about, and we we're gonna talk about the mechanism on which the story takes, which is. 
through a series of scenes which are almost narrated from a diary, which you think is... And there's a kind of clever point to this as well. You think, like, Rosamund Pike's character is his meticulous diary taker, and she's done this since the start of their relationship. You will only find out at the halfway mark that actually this diary's been written fairly quickly, um, like in a month where she's recapping all these events because she's creating a murder journal journal because she's really fucking smart. Um, but yeah, like... Murder the, journal, by the way, is going to be the... Uh... <laughs> The, the title of my biography. <laughs> Murder General. Um, but, like, so... Um, so, basically, what you have is the, the first... What? The first kind of 45 up to an hour is basically the, you know, the beginnings of um, the inevitable fall and the real-time disappearance of Rosamund Pike's character. So, you see her first meet Affleck's character is the whistle stop romance, which ultimately inevitably leads them to living wherever they are. It's not in the is it Nebraska? I've got Nebraska in my head now. Uh, nah, it, right. It's like Illinois or something. So, somewhere um, that's not New York, essentially. Right, right. Yeah. It's <laughs> it, it um, like yeah, Michigan, Illinois, something like that. It's a yeah. Midwest kind of town. Yeah, so like it's the, the you know, there were both these you're both kind of power players journalist people um although in saying that both of them wrote like magazine things um you know ultimately they end up moving uh to the midwest like Bo said uh, to take care of affleck's mother which really kind of plucks like rosemond pike's character from being not a socialite but just in an environment where she was stimulated to a place where she is not stimulated at all and the only thing that she has there is her husband and she's very quick to see in this when we get the flashbacks that she doesn't she hates personally hates women that manipulate their husbands to be the thing that she wants she would much rather the relationship was organic and free-flowing so telling someone that they you know they can't go out with their friends or they shouldn't act a particular way is something that she abhors but essentially what happens is um well she feels anyway that because he starts behaving a certain way clearly distancing himself clearly acting acting suspicious clearly having an affair bro um that she starts to manipulate him that way but because they're so honest with each other or supposedly so honest with each other um you know like she he can guilt her back on this one you know like you're not the sort of woman that would ask me not to go out with my friends that you don't need to meet you know this sort of level and then the second half of the well second third of the movie is basically how she did it because she fakes her death um mm -hmm. and she does it like and the like the best possible way that absolutely everything over time will lead police and investigators and the media and everyone to believe that he murdered his wife um so that's the next part and then the last kind of third of this movie is like how her plan unravels and how she has to think quick on her feet to get back and we're gonna spend a bit of time talking about neil patrick harris in this who is fucking awesome like yeah his character is fucking great. He's terrifying. 
like terrifying. Like there's like a bit like where he starts talking about you know you just need to get back to the old you and you need to do what I tell you to do and it needs to be this way and this way and you know and yeah just don't listen. But he actually physically takes food off her, uh, <laughs> like just he's like he's just a manipulator. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that as well. So like uh, sticking with the cast and then coming back to the plot. You did mention before, like obviously we would class the MVP here as our as our cop lady, who is played phenomenally by Kim Dickens, who mm-hmm. she's a great actress, and I, I sometimes yes. feel that people sleep on her as well, where she's consistently good. Like you watch her in like even like in things like Deadwood and stuff, I think she's, you know, it's a kind of smaller role, but I think she's she's brilliant in that. House of Cards for me is the one that like I, I suppose if you were someone who watched a lot of TV or whatnot, and um, that's the one that would make most sense to you, um, because she's kind of fucking incredible in that as well. But she's she's great. She's this. She's the cop that you want on the case. She's the cop. She's the Columbo of this investigation, where there's maybe just one more question and things maybe feel a bit too neat, and you know this doesn't quite add up. Whereas she's surrounded by people that from maybe the first second are going like that well when there's blood in a house like when you see that first blood mark that she puts the thing on the male cop looks something right away as if to say oh well you're gilly yeah yeah well and and i think it's the the guy cop who also says like well you know you've heard of occam's razor right like whatever the, yeah. the simplest solution is, is the most likely and she's like that's eh, not my experience yeah, uh, yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> like things are just generally more complicated than that and and she she is the only character in the movie that is skeptical both of Ben Affleck's guilt yeah but also once you know as we alluded to earlier that when Rosamund Pike shows back up she's like let's all just ask a couple of really important well, she, questions she shows here. the same skepticism towards yeah. her which like that's what makes her a great character is that she is consistent through this she asks the same questions to Affleck that she would to her which is like well why is this like this and that doesn't quite make sense and this doesn't add up and he, she does the same the other way which is uh, and I don't want to overstep things what a detective is supposed to do though uh, yeah you know, they're supposed to ask the questions and um, if you don't get a satisfying answer they're supposed to ask some more questions you know he, he, right and she yeah she, and she's also like I said she's kind of the audience surrogate because she's the person that's like wait 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 so what the fuck is happening like what is going on with yeah. this you know, uh, your your shed full of shit. That well, that, that's the thing. Bought. Like, ultimately, there is a certain point where she's she even when she's like arresting him, she's like, "Listen, I've given you the benefit of the doubt. We've been through all this, but look where we are now. Like, you, there's physically no way you can explain this away. Like, I've, I've you know went yeah. through everything. You know, like you know, you've hidden stuff from me. We went through your like I like I now have I have." created a like series of evidence and built a case around it as opposed to arresting you and then trying to build the case around it i built my case first and now arrested you yeah it, it's it's so good uh, but as, as you're going through the movie and it makes that switch from here is ben affleck <laughs> yeah. with a missing wife yeah 
and you learn things about him like oh he's having this affair mm -hmm. and and you start to understand like you as the audience if you've never seen the movie before start to question well maybe he is guilty yeah up until you get that reveal of rosamund pike in the car yes <laughs> driving across the bridge and, and being like and here's how i fucking set you up you yeah. dumb piece of shit yeah and and the thing i find interesting about her character is that initially her plan is to kill herself well it's like she's marked it not only is she marked it in her diary once she's marked on it twice she's done it one month and then the following month so if things aren't going a certain way or she doesn't get things in a certain position she will prolong her life another month and then kill herself then when she knows for a fact he's been arrested like she's marked yeah. it considerably that's her out like her out is right. not only I'm gonna I'm gonna like drown myself. They're gonna find my body, and when they do, he's fucked. But uh, like her whole thing is, not only do I want him to pay for turning me into this bored housewife, yeah. and and not only a bored housewife, but a bored housewife that he has the audacity, the sheer balls to yeah. cheat on. Yeah. Um, not no, like I want him to pay for leaving me at home in the middle of fucking nowhere mm -hmm. to go have sex with this younger version of me. Yeah, that he has the again the fucking balls, the fucking on this guy balls <laughs> to do the like I'm gonna wipe the snow off. So, her well, lip she's telling thing. the trailer. She's he's telling the she's telling the kind of gutter trash trailer chick um that story when she says you know he does the same thing like that and she's like fuck this guy and she's like i know right <laughs> like, right <laughs> like you know what i mean but <laughs> but the thing that she doesn't get and the reason she ends up getting ultimately fucked uh by her own actions mm. is she she kind of buys into her own hype as being the most brilliant person in the world. Yeah. Also, she's like, she's like, her idea was to go and live at a trailer park, which is an environment she's never fucking lived in before. She's right. from money and privilege that she doesn't, she just genuinely, that, 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 like you say, the hardest person she's had to work against are dumb men and of which there has been a sea of them. Wait till we talk about the guy who was accused of rape, the broken man that's on the sex offenders list, the athlete mm -hmm. visits. But like she's just used to there's a certain way that she can play the game that she will get like over them. And like like and as soon as as soon as she realizes like you see she buys into the loan hype that she's just smarter than anyone. And then she realizes you don't actually need to be smart to win like those gutter yeah. those, uh, those kind of trailer park trash people are not smart but as soon as they see them as soon as they see that she's got money they're going to take that money and it's insanely naive of her to not have that not in that apartment from that moment on the fact that she keeps yeah. it in there is fucking ludicrous so the, the fact that as soon as it happened she didn't just pick up stakes and leave and go yeah i'll just stay here right. for a while and then you know then i'll leave um just goes and, to show and, the naivety of the character and in like the savviness of greta and jeff are two shitball criminals yeah who are like look i sniffed you out as soon as i saw that shitty die job yep. that you've got and and the money that you accidentally showed me yeah and as soon as i knew like you're not going to go to the police because i know you're on the run from something because i look game knows game a hundred percent i do oh, i do and, love the thing that he's like he like once again like 
uh, Rosamund Pike being the way she is in this one, she she blames Jeff for like the idea. What do, what's he talked? What's he talked you into? And Greta's like that. I talked him into this. This is my plan. Like, yeah. I mean, like this dumb motherfucker. <laughs> like no, cast boy. No, this is a hundred percent me. Which and like does give me like this this kind of there's a weird kind of. There's a weird, almost balancing of the scale and kind of cosmic karma that, you know, it's another woman manipulating a guy in a way to, you know, like, to, to get something. Although that's not, obviously, Affleck is not being manipulated here out with the fact that he's being himself and that will ultimately be the noose that will go around his own neck. Like, she knows yeah. fine well that him being him is all that she needs to get away with this. But the fact that Greta is like, like you say, she's like, listen... Like all this, like all this hard work you went to, but putting on glasses and dying your hair and all the rest. I mean, that doesn't fly here. We can see right through that. You're not the first person. You won't be the last person that's on the run for something that comes in and stays in a place like this. Um, and they just take that money from her, and she ultimately ends up in this, like, on the reverse of the scenario that she wanted to be in. If you know what I mean. Mm. Ultimately, because the Neil Patrick Harris character is like he is the idea that she hates the idea of someone that would completely control her um we're still like to the point where she's 100 she is the affleck in that situation because she's 100 reliant on him for money food um you know a roof over her head all these things and as a result of that well we see we see how it plays out but yeah i think she's like the last third of this one is you getting to see it in real time how her brain works but it's it's backed up by the story you get when Affleck is like I'm gonna go and meet this guy that you know she saw before me who basically like that listen I was punching above my weight with her she was like clearly fucking far too talented and smart for me and she bought me these ties I never wore these ties you know like I, I couldn't keep up with her you know I started to get a bit distant and she set up a full scenario where ultimately um, you know, it looked like I had raped her. And there's a great line in it. There's a great line where he's like that, you know, and then she had these 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 marks in her hands from where she'd like forcibly been tied down. Uh, which we get to see her later on do with the rope um for Neil Patrick Harris. She starts rubbing rope on her on her hands to look like she's because obviously can't do it one time, it needs to look like it's happened a few times from bruising. Um but when he goes like that, he's like, and then the police come into my room and what do they see tied round the, the bedposts and half likes like that the ties and he's like yeah the ties I didn't wear you clearly know your wife um like he's like that's how that's the fuck you that she gives you she she like she puts her own stamp on the vengeance that she re kind of rots on you in the case of Affleck's one, the fact that he was buying frivolous things she has a shed full of frivolous things that she's bought um and you know which clearly looks like he's bought them she ups a life insurance. It's like the next level of escalation, and it's right. It like, uh, but you know, when when his sister is grilling him about the insurance, yeah, and it, 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 he's like, it was her idea. Yeah. Like, I just signed the thing. <laughs> you get the, when you get was... the flashback as well. Like it's even like it was her idea. You imagine them sitting down at a breakfast table, and she's like, that. You know what? We should just really up my life insurance, and then being like, do you think? Yeah, I really think we should. Like that's what you picture. But the clip is literally, he is, he's playing a computer game and she brings over a contract which he just signs without asking anything and then she fucks up off screen. Yeah. 
it, it's uh... it's so good it's so good yeah. like obviously we're, we're, i mean there's there's stuff that we can credit to fincher the stuff we just have to credit to the author like it's yeah. it's a really well constructed really well put together kind of crime like kind of crime murder mystery you know well it's more crime thriller uh the murder mystery because uh, the ultimate reveal um but let's take a second here because i want to go back through the format of the movie like to talk mm-hmm. about how it works but the, the kind of last person that i really want to kind of double down on here is the neil patrick harris character a guy who is primarily known for in cinema and tv for playing romantic comedy roles guy who relies yeah. on his humor and he's playing this role 100 patrick bateman straight yeah for sure yeah 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 absolutely yeah i think it's a great performance i like the fact he didn't he wasn't like given the nod for like supporting male role or something i know there's a lot of them in this movie but he could have very easily been put forward for like because it's just so i think to me it shows range of him it also shows how just minor tweaks in the way a comedian's it's, it's timing isn't it like they, they say that comics can do like darker roles very easily because they understand the beats of of what you need to do to get reactions from an audience um and he's like from the moment you meet him there's something off about him and like you've you're led to believe that he's had this obsession about her for quite some time he sent her letters and you know yeah well he's a guy who's got everything yes except the woman who left him Mm and yeah and so yes this is the this is the object that he was not allowed to possess yes and now that she's come back to him he is basically putting her on lockdown uh, pretty much from like I, I love the like she arrives there and he's talking her through the you know he's doing the patrick bateman that's a very nice chardonnay you're not drinking you know like he's like walking through sure this has got heated floor in the fridge is stopped and, it's like, and like she gets all that and you can see her just being like kind of like, like this is your bed you'll never find a more comfortable bed than this and she's like oh bro and he's like that oh by the way there's cameras everywhere so i can see inside and outside the house and she's like okay and then he shows him like yep so you know and it's linked to well, my, my computer so i can see all this so you're going to be safe because i can see everything that happens in the house which is you know his way of like you say letting her know she's unlocked them yeah well in in her like she has come to him because she really is out of options. It is literally, you she know? has no money and she either at this point has to kill herself, which she now knows she doesn't want to do. That's a thought yeah. that's now gone. She wants to live, but she either yeah. has to go back now and try and come up with some story which legitimately wouldn't make one lick of sense. Or she goes with this guy who I think she thinks, well, I can manipulate this guy. You know what I mean? He'll do exactly what I say because I can do that. And then she realizes that maybe that's, uh, maybe she can manipulate some of it, but ultimately his demeanor is much different. And like you said, it's because he's went through decades of longing to have the thing that he couldn't have. Right. And so for her to, like, she looks at this as this is a place I can chill for a few days until I can get my shit together, maybe take him for some money and then hit the road. Yeah. <laughs> and then he turns it into, you know, like, like you said, like it, it becomes the, this real, 
like I'm gonna I'm going to own you kind yeah. of situation and I'm always gonna have an eye on you and you're and which leads her to the interesting challenge of well then how do I how do how do I get myself out of this yeah and the answer clearly is to fucking kill this dude but to do it in a way that makes me the victim yeah and it's also it's also at the same time once again we've mentioned all the things that she's done before where she puts the stamp on what the guy wanted or what, what like her own personal stamp her personal stamp with the rape guy was the ties that he didn't wear right yeah, yeah. A yeah, personal yeah. stamp with Affleck is the, you know, was the all the stuff that all the materialism that he wanted to have without, you know, thinking of where that money was coming from. In the case of this one, it's, you know, mid fucks ish. Um, right when he's getting right when he nuts bow. Like, like just just at that point where he's finally got the thing that he has wanted and clearly coveted for quite some time, that's when he gets his throat slit. Um mm-hmm. And it's like, what's it like? It, it speaks to her, like you said, a sociopath. That it's it's so, so fucking evil. <laughs> like it's such a such like such a malicious, evil fucking thing to do. Not like kill him, but there's also a part of me that did giggle a little bit where I was like, Rosemary Pike's underneath you, and she's wearing that like very very hot outfit. And then she's just like, Let, let's get this on. And he just keeps calling that. Uh, maybe we can slow it down. And I'm like, there's a guy who clearly has not worked at a thought process of how to distract himself from orgasm. You yeah. always have to have a go-to thing that you think of that is the least horny thing ever to give you another couple of minutes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know what it is. Um... For me, it's the the documentary Blackfish, um, or the Cove. Uh, what I think, yeah. <laughs> the, the mass I, yeah, murder I think of a lot of whales. mammals being murdered. Yeah, <laughs> that that'll prolong things for another couple of minutes, boy. And give me make me make me seem a bit better. But um, like he's he's I, like I just think of all my failures. <laughs> I just go through the list of all the things I, I did that just went belly up and <laughs> the tears I shed. At that time, I, I started a, uh, you know, a golf ball naming company where, you know, you got to name your own golf ball and a pretty things on the side. And I really thought that was going to take off and it turned out no one was interested. That's yeah. a failure. Um, that, that time that I invested in the internet, you know, right at 2001 where nothing could go wrong and then it all crashed. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, Bo. You got to uh, down on those. <laughs> but yeah, and and probably my like I think the first two thirds of this movie where you're going through, like up to the point where she kills Neil Patrick Harris, mm-hmm. then I would argue this is kind of a perfect movie. Right, right. So let's 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 um, let's factor in then the format, and then let's talk about the last part. Um, yes. So, like, like we said before, the movie's kind of it's narrated specifically from Rosamund Pike's character, um, mm-hmm. and then we get these. We jump around in history through these series of she sets up a dear diary entry, and then you see how that scene played out from her perspective. And then at the halfway mark, so it's just before the halfway mark. It's about the hour mark. We get the actually this is what she's had planned all along. This is how she set things out. And this is how she actually sees these interactions. Some of them being honest to God, true. This is how she felt in the moment. 
other entries being well no well there's a bit where she's like where she's planning things out and she talks about like when Affleck didn't know what she was doing with all her free time she was she was watching and reading up on like how husbands murder their wives criminal cases mm -hmm. put up against them the common excuses that husbands use the defense like she's like doing heavy hardcore research which I love because he was like that she's always got a book in her hand and he's allowed to, well, did you check what title of the book he was reading? Like, right, like O.J. Simpson's If I Did It. Um, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, well, well, like, all these things where she's planned out. So the, the next part is her kind of, this is what I'll do. This is how I'll get away with this. This is all the marks. And then the diary entries kind of stop at a certain point. And then you move into a kind of linear time frame of this is what's happening with Affleck. This is what's happening with her. And then that kind of runs basically up until she comes back and then you get essentially jumps in time through like seven weeks up to the point of her being filmed which is when the the end interview is you know conducted with the the, the kind of nancy grace character uh, where she yeah. reveals that she's pregnant and we get all the kind of which i mean once again is like is the bit where like uh affleck's with his twin and she's just like, what do you mean? And like, you've got to stay where for fucking 18 years? Right. Yeah, yeah you're, yeah. I, and, like, there is a lot of question uh, that, like, Rosamund Pike very likely, like, got pregnant on the purpose. Oh, 100%. Because, yeah. you know, because that, that, that is what, it, it, it puts skin in the game for Ben Affleck, that he can't yeah. leave this situation. Is it his kid? Or is yeah. it Neil Patrick yeah. Harris's? I, I mean, they don't it sleep in a bed together. Matter. Yeah, right. well, and, and, he says, "I want a paternity test," and she's like, "Well, how's that going to look?" You know, yeah. like your 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 abducted wife comes back. She do like we I we, we revealed reveal to the world that you know I've been pregnant. You know, like, I I say we're pregnant. You then say you want a paternity test because you're not fucking me. I mean. How how does that how does that look? And then what happens if it's not your kids? You're going to abandon me after I went through all this trauma. How does that look for you and the town that you're yeah. in? That everyone loves you. You never be able to go anywhere. Like she has them by the deck. So, right. And but so the the question for Ben Affleck in that scenario then is, do I just come clean with everything? Yep. And and let let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. Or do I go along with this and, you know, that for no other reason than the court, that way the court of public perception would find him to be a decent guy. Yes. Which is all he's ever wanted is just for people to think he's a decent guy. 100%, yeah. So. And, and <laughs> right. But, you know, meanwhile, he's especially in the upfront, like, going to bed at night and locking the bedroom door 100% because he's afraid like this woman's gonna fucking kill because she, Cause she is murdered someone. she's a murderer <laughs> yeah she, she fucking slit a guy's throat and cold he, blood bowl he yes he a hundred percent knows that she is a stone cold murderer <laughs> and, and 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 the question is can you as a person get cool with that yeah yeah with her saying like, "Oh look, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm no. Why would I kill you? Like yeah. you're my husband. You're my loving husband. Why? Why on yeah. earth would I kill you? Yeah. And right. there's a not so big threat there as well. Yes. Of like, you know, hey, if because he knows what. Again, going back to the guy with the ties and the the fact that he's now 
on every sexual predator registry. Well, yeah, that's, because uh, he yeah. dared not want to be with her. And the the result of her coming back is everything that's in that diary is claimed as fact. Right. That right. he's hit her, even though he claimed that he didn't, that she had to buy a gun for protection, that, you know, he was, like, all these threatening stances, that she didn't feel safe in her home. The police have that on record, and that's locked in now. That's fact. So yeah. if anything ever happens to her, he is, like, even more so now, he is suspect numero uno. So... You know, yeah, he fucked. should. Yeah, he should. He's he's kind of fucked no matter what. Yeah, but is he fucked to do the right thing and the right thing? You know, from a moral point of view, of saying no, no, no. This woman has manipulated me. Yes. She's manipulated the media. Like I'm going to She's be manipulated a pariah. The police. Like the moment where she says to the police, you know, um, says to the the police woman anyway that you bungled this fucking case, and if I hadn't taken actions in my own hands. You know, I mean, like, right? Yeah. Well, like my husband would be on death row. Uh, you know, and he, he like, you would, he would have been like, the state would have murdered him. Like that was that was your job. So as a result, when he's sitting down with the cops saying, like, is like, I mean, she must have made a mistake somewhere. Can we look at? It? She's like that. There is literally nothing I can do now. Like, I like it's gone. It's with the feds, and I can't get involved with that now because she's basically she's made it airtight that I can't get involved with it. Uh, you know, I, I you know I bungled the case, even though we've seen all the way through it. She hasn't. Um, yeah. As far as as far as the media um, and the police are concerned, she bungled the case. She dropped the ball. So she's played a perfect game, even though she played it by accident at the end or thought on the flight. But that, if anything, that's even more terrifying because all the other stuff took months and months of planning, Bo, and she did the stuff with Neil Patrick Harris and the getting home in what a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, terrifying. I mean, <laughs> Absolutely, terrifying. quick on her feet. She's quick on her feet. Yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like this is all, uh, you know, like uh, there, there is no clean way out for him. Yeah, and and it's just easier at the end of the day. And uh, like again, this is not a terribly smart guy. No, he's he is going to, and and she even says that like. You know, you've always taken the path of least resistance, mm -hmm. essentially. And that's what he's doing again, which is like, I'm going to go along with this yeah. and I'm going to play this part and I'm going to be the dutiful husband or else I'll get fucking murdered or, yeah. you know, or, or it's either that, like she will, she will end up taking me out one day or she'll find, uh, way. I'm, yeah, she'll find I'm some other gonna... way. Yeah. She'll find some other way to destroy me. Yeah. So, so. I'm just gonna rather than live a life that's more honest, but but certainly more difficult. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna put a smile on my face, and there we go. You know, and and you know that to me that is when I'm watching the movie. <laughs> that part of the movie is the least interesting part. Yeah, because it it deals with more esoteric ideas. It's getting away from. The, the plot, the mechanics, the Swiss watch kind of work of the plot. Yes. And and when I get to the last like 20 minutes of the movie, I'm like, Which okay, is, a, yeah, it's a whole 20 minutes, basically. Yeah. Because we I, jump I, through I, these different like, time periods after our coming yeah. back. And and I, I appreciate that it's there and I don't dislike it. Yeah. 
but I'm kind of ready for the movie to be over. Does I wonder how it's happened because it's one of those things where it feels like that might be more prominent in the book, and it feels like what we've done is we've taken we've condensed them chapters into like two three minute clips of those time periods, you know, as, as opposed to being like organically flowing through as like. He's chatting to his lawyer that's going to leave. He's chatting to the cop who yeah. won't investigate things. He's chatting to his wife um, about them being pregnant. He's now chatting to his... Like, we're interspersing that with conversations with uh, Margot um, and, you know, the you know the, the the reporter, who I love when he's just like that. Oh, look, it's you who said that I murdered my wife. Um, yeah. And said that I was in an incestuous relationship with my... And she's like, I didn't use the I word. Didn't say that. I just said you were close. Uh, but it's yeah. the insinuation. You read between the lines. You didn't go out your way to explicitly say that's not what you meant, and that's what you. The outcome of what you wanted was you wanted your fucking viewers to think that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why you said it in that way. Um, which once again, like, because like, and when Affleck's doing it, this is why I think he's fucking great in this. Um, he's not doing it with any degree of hatred because he's still being relatively polite and nice about it. You know what I mean? Which he doesn't have to be. He shouldn't have to be. Yeah, well, he's also in the middle of trying to make this decision because he like yeah. the interview is the last time he can get out. Yes, there's you the, know, the because, literal last point. Yeah, yeah. You know, because as soon as she announces that uh, Rosamund Pike announces that she's pregnant and he's like, oh, I can't wait, baby. You know, <laughs> yeah. like then he's fucked. That like <laughs> he, he is doomed at that point what, it's worth saying as well like we hear all the way through the movie Affleck wanted to have kids and she didn't yeah 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 so this is once again this is the the maliciousness of Rosamund Pike she's given them the thing that he wants but the cost of that you know is the destruction of his life you know what I mean yeah for it's sure it's the final yeah, yeah, stab yeah. she's such she's and I, I, like, I mean, I, it's a perfect manipulation. Yes, it's it like a flawless move. Is. Yeah, like this. This, this yeah. would be a, a babyality, I think, in uh, Mortal Kombat terms. So, but but I also, it's also the thing that I find, like I, it's interesting, mm. but it's still like after the the heady highs yeah. of this intricate plot and everything it just kind of lands in a place where you're like, okay, I, you know, I know, I know that we've got to untangle the morality of all of this. Yeah. And, and it, and it ends in a place where it's like, well, nobody is a good guy in this story. You know, it's kind of a little bit girl with the dragon tattoo. Now I'm thinking about how they tag it, on a whole we, espionage thing at the end of that movie. And we're like, mm, right. Solve right, the mystery like it, what we're doing now. It, it, I almost wish it had ended at the point he locks the bedroom door yeah. yeah yeah you know where it's just like where you can as a viewer you can kind of Fell pull at those lights. strings yeah. Yeah. of well did he stay does he ultimately go yeah. like i would i would much rather in a way have those questions unanswered and kind of end with this mystery where she's come home and now he's left to deal with that yeah and because i i don't know that i get a lot more in that 20 minutes than I would have if you had ended it there. Yeah, you get great performances, but it doesn't necessarily change your viewing of the movie overall. The characters are still yeah. exactly the same characters as they were before. It's just you get to see more of the manipulated games they're using against each other. 
which you've yeah, already had, yeah. like you see two hours of. I think you're talking me around, Bo. I think you are talking me around. I love the ending to this movie, but I would be remiss if I thought that the end of this movie does feel like a coda that's maybe not unnecessary, but that might be one of the reasons it doesn't invite me back as much on repeat viewings because very much like yourself, once the mystery's wrapped up, the mystery's wrapped up. Um, yeah. When she's and back, unlike she's back. Zodiac, yeah. like Zodiac, for for all its it, its sort of you know grays of that movie, and it has by the way, it has one of these as well. But it's wait for it, it is about three minutes long, and that's it. <laughs> like well, when, yeah, when he, like, he walks into the shop, sees him, and then we get the kind of well, you get the guy the, at the airport doing the yeah, that's the guy that you know attacked me, and then you get like him walking into the shop and seeing. Arthur Lee Allen, yeah. and then kind of you know, his look at the camera as you're going back out is really all you need in that movie. It, exactly. I mean, it pays off the the line that Gyllenhaal has about like I don't I don't need him to be arrested. Mm-hmm. I don't need any of that. I just need to know. Yeah, I just need to know. And 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 the, I mean that's the theme of the whole movie is this idea of obsession of just I need to solve this puzzle. He solves the puzzle for himself. Movie's over. Yeah. Whereas no, this think, movie, I think you've done it. Bob. This I think you've goes on it. just a hair too long. <laughs> but we're also it. talking about like, it, what is the better movie between two movies that are also incredibly inter- oh, God, entertaining yeah. and like movies of the highest order? Yeah, I think I think you know? on on paper, if you were if you were doing a list of the greatest kind of like mystery movies of the last twenty years, Gone Girl is top tier. You know, it's in consideration yeah. for the top of the pile almost. I'm not saying it may be the, the top one, but if it's not even in consideration of top five, then you've you've done a disservice somewhere. It's just so well. The thing about it is, this is where Fincher flourishes. It is a meticulously well-crafted, well-curated, excellently paced movie. Those those kind of those thirds of the movie land at exactly the right times, and the kind of the kind of post mystery stuff that's there is great on that first viewing i would would think you need that the first viewing but like you say i think once you've seen what that looks like it's difficult not to say well we could condense that down when shorten that maybe take this little bit i don't need to see the lawyer abandon him i mean lawyer's gonna do that anyway he's not got a case anymore um i might need to see the cop saying i can't investigate this anymore she's kind of tied that all up for me that mm-hmm. seems not lost maybe some of the margot stuff do like i like even you know there's there's ways to construct that 20 minutes down to maybe even 10 and you would still get the same amount of detail out and the same feelings and intentions than having it at that length so yeah yeah but i think you might have just done what I didn't think you were going to be able to do. Again, you son of a bitch. Look, I, I, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled, Duncan. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's a fantastic movie. And I'm not trying to argue anyone out of loving this movie because I no. really enjoyed it yeah. a, a, a yeah. shit ton on a second viewing. I just, you know, it, I, I've got just enough of a, a, a an issue with things here and there. Yeah. That it, it's not it's not pure cinematic perfection yeah. <laughs> um it's not zodiac which is a, a high standard but when yeah. you're talking about fincher yeah there are a couple of those in the mix where it's like this is just a perfect and, movie and you get the feeling that that's fincher's intention when he made the movie 
Yeah. Yeah, that's what he's setting it to do. That's the, his that you otherwise you wouldn't put his actors and wouldn't put his crew through the levels of reshoots that he does if he wasn't trying to aim for cinematic perfection. So, I mean, I think that's fair. The, the, I don't know if you caught this little tidbit uh, in in the trivia about this movie, but Ben Affleck, who you know is a good director in his own right, mm -hmm. like did, you know the town and all that stuff, and uh, but was had had said about David Fincher, like he's the only director who is better at everybody's job on set. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> he he's he he's a, a brilliant guy, and during one take, Ben Affleck. Uh, change the focus on a scene ever so slightly thinking like well this might be a little bit better actually yeah. they do the take Fincher watches the the uh, the take and is like this looks a little fuzzy to me yeah. and, it, and, and Affleck was like it was so microscopic the yeah. change of this but that's Fincher is that he is you know he's got this kind of OCD cinema thing yeah. where Every, he knows what every shot is supposed to look like every performance is mm. supposed to look like like he is you know as we've been saying he's just a perfectionist and um and the movies are the better for it like i'm sure 100%. that it's not it is not easy to make a david fincher movie if you are not david fincher and it's probably not all that easy if you are but <laughs> uh, uh but you know it's it's impressive like all of his movies even the ones that i have like even a benjamin button mm. is like this is a well-crafted movie if nothing still else. yeah still looks great and this movie did gangbusters ladies and gents it, mm -hmm. it cost uh what it was 30 million or something i think i read somewhere um and it ended up a uh, worldwide gross was like over 300 million so made his money back so he's back once again to his He's a uh, clever money-making ways, Boran still, but then he takes a break. Like we said before, he goes off and does other things, does some more music videos, um, and then like sets up a deal with Netflix, which allows mm -hmm. him to create Mindhunter for two seasons, um, and then that looks like it's not happening, although there's now talks that it may be happening again. He's just struck up, a, I want to say it's like a five-picture deal with Netflix, which I think is a great home for him. I like. I just love the fact that he's going to have that freedom to do, and it makes sense knowing Whatever, how he's went yeah. through some of those uh, studio things in the past, like him having like full creative freedom to do what he wants. It might mean his movies run a bit longer, but... I don't know, and I'm I'm interested to see them. But he did do one more movie, uh, which we're including in this conversation. Until he does any other movies, where Bo will have to come back and uh, addendum to the season to discuss. But his last movie is Mank from 2020. This one, a great deal of personal um, importance to him, because the screenplay was done by his dad, uh, Jack Fincher, before he died. Um, and it's basically if my I'm, this is the only one Bo that I have never seen so and I've still not seen it so it'll be a first time watch for me this is about the making of Citizen Kane or is it the writing of Citizen Kane it, yeah it is about the uh, kind of both but it's mostly about the writing of Citizen Kane yep. as well as Mankiewicz's uh, relationship with um the you know kind of the, the with William Hurst you yeah. know like the it, it, the Citizen Kane famously is about William Hurst 
and uh, William Randolph Hearst and Mankiewicz knew him. Yeah. They were they were they knew e each other, and after Citizen Kane, they did not. And <laughs> um, it, it's it's a really interesting look at it. it, it I, I'm excited to have that conversation. Uh, I've only seen it the one time, but I thought it was really, really good. Well, it's got and... Gary Oldman in the lead performance, and Gary Oldman is, like, hands down one of my favourite working actors on the planet. So, very excited to see that, because, like, he does... He's another guy who doesn't turn in, like, a kind of half-assed performance. Every performance, even if it's the worst movie in the world, and he's done a few of those, um, his performances are always incredible. So, I'm very yeah. much... Looking forward once again, uh, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross uh, did the score for that. I think they won the Oscar for that one. Um, if they didn't, they won it for Soul because they had two movies. They had a Disney movie and they had Mank in the Oscars at the same time. And, and you know, one for one or the other, which is just fucking nuts. Um, yeah. Right, absolutely nuts. But yes, yeah, so that's, that's where we will be heading uh, next. I'm interested in it because like I say, I know so little about Citizen Kane, except that I've seen the movie, so... Um, um, I, I, if I can give you any it, recommendation... So. Yep. Yeah, it, it's that watch Citizen Kane again Yep. before you watch Mank, mm -hmm. and the, they are such wonderful companion pieces, and, and, like, Fincher adopts a lot of the visual style of Citizen Kane and that kind of thing. So it's him doing like this glorious black and white film mm. and it's, oh, it looks good. Oh, it is sumptuous. <laughs> it uh, is a good looking movie. I'll get to it. Like you, when you were talking about the relationship of two people and how that relationship breaks down, um, it, do, it does remind me of that infamous story of um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and uh, Harry Houdini. Uh, and their mm. relationship and how that turned sour basically because um, <laughs> they were very, very close friends. I don't know if you know the story. They were very, very close friends and um, they went on holiday together and uh, Conan Doyle's wife... Um, at the time, Conan Doyle was uh, trying to essentially establish a new religion which was all about spiritualism. So it was basically the idea that ghosts exist, you can communicate beyond the grave and his wife thought she was a medium and she did a reading on holiday with Houdini um, where she claimed that she got in touch with Houdini's mother who he was very close to, very, very close to. And Houdini sat quietly throughout the whole thing when they finished, you know, finished his drink, went away back to his room and uh, was appalled that she had done that um, to him because he knew it wasn't his mother just from everything that was said. Like, she referred to him as Harry. That's not how his mother was. Like, oh, this full thing. Uh, and then Houdini basically, um, like, became, like, the, the most knowledgeable person on how mediums do what they do. And then they started these spat against each other where... Houdini went out his way to discredit the whole idea of spiritualism and they came, became very, very, very bitter enemies. <laughs> like, like hugely bitter enemies where he, I, I think it still exists. Because um, Penn and Teller talk about all the time the idea of there is a fund out there started by Houdini that if anyone can prove without a shadow of a doubt evidence that shows life beyond death... Um, that you know you it's like three million or something if you can prove it yeah and yeah. no one's been able to claim it and harry houdini started that and it was off the back 
of a conversation with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. So it's one of these little tidbits where you're just like, huh, history's weird. <laughs> it's just like, like the two, two of the most influential people of their era, Conan Doyle being the author of Sherlock Holmes and Harry Houdini being the most famous escapologist and magician on the planet, being friends and their bitter, bitter fallout just... Uh, just take it over. So yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. The question I need to ask you before we do this, though, Bo, before yes. we take a break and go away and get into get into some manky mank, um, is um, <laughs> some manky mank, <laughs> some manky mank. Uh, uh, the, as it stands just now, Zodiac is topping both our lists. Are we seeing confidently, without any degree of waiver at all, that? Zodiac is still top of the list, or did Gone Girl beat it out for your favourite Fincher movie up until 2014? It, it's awfully good, but no, uh, I am still in the Zodiac camp. Um, I think Zodiac is a terrific, terrific uh, film and, and a perfect film. I think Gone Girl is near perfect, and it has just enough to keep it out of that top slot for me. I, it still, I think for me, it still goes like zodiac seven then then maybe gone girl it might be my third i mean it's way up there it's it's really really good excellent well i you have successfully managed to to make this much easier on me i'm gonna stick with zodiac as well i would put gone girl above seven do you know that um wow yeah, yeah. i mean I, you're not I, it wrong would be close it would be close but i think i think like even with those like kind of tidbits at the end and whatnot, I still think it's it's a movie that just feels like seven to me feels like like there's a degree of angst and it feels like an early movie, but it's incredible and the story's like cultivated in such a way. This just feels like a director like at his supreme level of confidence. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it almost feels on some level effortless the way he just makes this movie. I think there's there's a part of that considering that the plot like you said before, has many moving, like has all these different moving parts. If you imagine like the, the idea of seven containing as much in the mystery for to try and pull in together, in that way it just wouldn't work back then, but he's now at this level, and it doesn't happen really until after Zodiac. He's now at a level where he can just, he's got the character thing like nailed. He's got his, his cinematography is the best, you know, as you know, it's ever going to be. He's got his own visual style and his own voice, and I think he does... He does a like incredible job on this one, but Zodiac is. I mean, that's just we've talked about. It. It's like a, it's like one of my favorite movies ever fucking made. So right, yeah, it's uh, it's tough to be. Although yeah. I, I I after the comparison between Seven and Gone Girl, I now want Ben Affleck <laughs> to say the line, and then he put it on me, and he put it on me, like uh, like as Kevin Smith would see, Affleck would play the strap on. I yeah, mean that's how talented he is. He played the giant, the giant razor fucking strap on. That's how talented he is, Bo. That's how talented he is. Uh, right, we are going to be back next month, um, and yeah, we are yeah, going to be to talking. Wrap it up with yep, Mank getting it in, and then Bo will be leaving us sadly uh, from Opera Omnia, which has been. I, I will put it down, and no offense to Richard Glenn Smith or to my buddy Watson. This has been my favourite run thus far. Probably because me and you don't speak enough together, bro. I think that's... Right, think we, we that's just... If is. only there were a bi-weekly show that we did <laughs> where we could just talk about, like, the shittiest TV you ever saw. Isn't that, can I just say, that's been the counterbalance 
the counterbalance, like all year, all 2021, we've been talking about the terrible TV show Slasher and the counterbalance this year is we've got a chance to talk about Duran Duran um, and yeah. David Fincher. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's made it very uh, easy yeah. when we focus on those positives as opposed to Slasher's negatives. Um, yeah, the accentuate <laughs> the Duran Duran. <laughs> Bo, I think you're that's a, how song goes. <laughs> is now. Uh, you're a very busy man. You do lots of stuff. I mentioned up at the front there, but where can people check out your stuff, buddy? Yeah, uh, like you said, I'm kind of editor-in-chief over at legionpodcasts.com where you can find all the stuff I do as well as uh, a number of other uh, wonderful shows by a variety of hosts and a variety of subjects. Um, Richard Glenn Sh- Schmidt that you mentioned just then, uh, of course uh doing uh hello this is the doom show just dropped an episode of with his top 10 uh giallo films which was a, a great great amount of fun i have and, not listened to that yet but i will because uh, he is uh, he's literally written the book on giallos he's got he's got a book yeah he's got two books sorry out on um on his giallo discoveries so um i'd be interested to see where things lie yeah, and uh, the the other one I would shout out that has nothing to do with me is uh, the Friday Nightmares with Scott Crawford and and Heather Powell, mm. uh, terrific show as well. Um, and then if you want to hear more out of me, uh, in addition to Duncan and Bo Come Correct that we have uh, mentioned here a couple of times, uh, you can find me on uh, a show called Pick Six Movies I do with uh, my buddy Chad, all about kind of bad movies built around a, a, a central theme. Uh, we've been doing Christmas adjacent movies and just <laughs> dropped an episode on Invasion USA that uh, was quite fun. <laughs> and, it and was fun because you found the love for it that you didn't know you had. I, I do love that movie. I still don't understand why Chuck Norris was ever an action star, but <laughs> I do love Invasion USA. If you ever do work that out, please let me know why. <laughs> yeah, I, the, I, as you will hear in that episode, I compare Chuck Norris to like this is what happens if you taught white chalk karate, <laughs> and <laughs> and then uh, the the horror theme show that I do is uh, is called the Dark Parade, and under that umbrella of the Dark Parade, uh, there's a weekly show about a given movie, and there's all kinds of bonus stuff. Me watching a bunch of found footage movies. Uh, there's the Heart of Horror uh, under that Dark Parade umbrella with uh, Kay Pollock, where we talk about uh, horror movies, what have a romantic element. Mm-hmm. And and basically, as you know, Duncan, Kay Pollock is a national treasure. Yes. And, yeah, horror and the Queen at the moment. Yes. So, it's the last two that and, we have. So. It, so it is just an excuse to uh, get her to talk about dating stories and relationship stories, among other things. And uh, it's a tremendous amount of fun. The, the last episode featured such uh, controversial topics as the benefits of sexting and ah. and, and and the careful choice of language uh, involved in such a thing, as well as how, how great goth fashion is. Mm. So, um, you know, it's a good time over there on Dark Parade. So uh, if you're not subscribed, you know, we're on everything. Any, any podcast... Uh, a thing that is out there you can probably find the dark parade so um and that's probably it that feels like enough (laughs) 
such a lazy, lazy man. Um, that's what I, I found out here. So lazy. Uh, yeah. I, I don't do nothing, Deccan. <laughs> just sit quietly in a chair and judge things. <laughs> you need to find something to do with all that free time you have, Bo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, have this, I now have this vision of you and like try to find the free time uh, for like that scene in Spaceballs where it's like, calm the desert. We ain't found yeah. shit. Uh, yeah, I keep busy, man. No doubt. I mean, it, it's like you. It, I mean, both of us are just like, what? I've got ten minutes. Well, I ought to be making something. Yeah, I, I should. I should have something out, surely. Right. <laughs> Hence, why both of us have broke our. This is us not recording for two weeks rule to come back and do this. Because the, the yeah, why not? Why not? Always a pleasure yeah. to chat to you, my friend, ladies and gents. This uh. has been the penultimate one. Bo, the penultimate one. We're almost done with Fincher. Um, I, I can't believe it's is here already. But yeah, uh, we will be speaking to you very, very soon, dear listeners out there. So please take care of yourselves. Until the next time, this is Duncan McLeish from Opera Omnia saying bye. Bye. Totally keeping that in. <laughs>